0: Welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. On this episode, Dave is joined by special guest, Jess Carey. They talk about risk and how to get the balance right for the risk appetite when we are making business decisions. They recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience. And if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for them. There'll be a link in the show notes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. My name is David Malthouse, um, and I am. I'm not joined by my regular co-host Ben Day. Instead, I am joined by a, a returning guest, Jess Carey. So, um, good evening, Jess. How are you?
1: Hello, very well, thank you. How are you?
0: Um, really good. good. Well, it's uh, as about you. It's lovely weather where I am yep. at the moment. I've had um, a day at the seaside should i say a day visiting a client that happens to be by the seaside? which uh, came
1: so with an ice in, cream did it come with an ice cream or two i,
0: I didn't but I, I actually know a guy that runs a, a, a chain of ice cream parlors that, that are based in this part of the world and i drove past that three of his establishments today and yeah I, I really did want one of his ice creams so um it's a shame um, but it was it was just nice to get a bit of a, a change of scenery and it was really nice this is going to sound really odd. It was nice to be able to open the windows in my car because it was a bit too hot inside, <laughs> yeah. rather than opening them because yeah the kids have spilt something horrible and vile <laughs> smelling in the back seat and I'm going to freeze because of it, which is my normal reason. But, um, Jess, you you have been a guest on the podcast before, mm-hmm. um, and but but not not when I've been hosting. Um, so I think now that gives you the badge of friend of the show. Thank uh, you. For being here a second time, um, and as I wasn't here on your last show, I don't know if you you want to give kind of a brief kind of introduction. And I I, I always refer to it as your superhero origin story. So we're about to spend you know the, the, the next three quarters of an hour or so you know going through some kind of superhero type of adventure. But beforehand, we <laughs> need to know if you were bitten by a radioactive spider. Uh,
1: okay, I wasn't. Uh, but if I had to choose a superhero, because Kelly was asking this last time, I'd be Iron Man because I just love Iron man. um I, I can't really give any other reasons except you know he's got a cool suit and he can fly. Um, but uh hello, my name is Jess. Uh, I look after marketing at FI Limited and I work as part of the central team. Um, so I've got over eleven years of marketing experience and I worked in roles across uh, travel, hospitality, events publishing, and now I'm working as a matt leave cover here at FI.
0: Excellent stuff. So, you set, so you're you based on um, FI Limited, um, which means that everything that we see on the websites is under your domain at the moment. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's very true. So if you have any issues, please contact me directly and I will fix them.
0: <laughs> and the thing that, the thing that I, I kind of really like about having, um, having guests in that are from kind of functions that are not accountancy mm-hmm. is we tend to get kind of a fresh view on... Kind of different areas and the, the theme that I wanted to look at today is a theme that um, as accountants we should be really really well versed at so w- we're looking at the theme of risk and in general you know accountants tend to see risk in everything that we do and if Ben was here today Ben would be talking about risk associated with order because Ben loves auditing hey I'm not such a big fan Uh, Ben loves auditing and here we talk about audit risk and the risk that we as auditors get stuff wrong and what impact that would have and how we need to protect ourselves about that. We also talk about things like business risks and business risks are things that are out there that can stop the businesses that we work for from doing the things that they want to do, like making profit or expanding or things like that. Um, And then we also always talk, and the the, the people in the audience will know all about what we call compliance risk, the risk that we don't meet our obligations in terms of rules and regulations. And I know we've got some tax fans here and the compliance risk around completing tax returns and tax submissions and tax avoidance and all those kinds of things, the things that we as accountants are, are... you know, really concerned about. But something that we as accountants tend to forget about is that you know, risk is also something that can be quite positive. And you know, risk is something that you know, some people tend to tend to embrace. And, you know, I think we've all heard people say things like, oh, no risk, no rewards, or people talking about risk-reward balances. And I know the dragons on Dragon's Den also talk about risk-reward ratios. And I think as accountants, we always think that risk is always kind of something negative. But I think much of the rest of the world thinks that risk is a balance between something that's desirable and then a negative consequence of us actually going after it. So it could be something worth it at the end. And I guess to start with, you know, in terms of you know, that bigger picture, you know, risk is that balance between something desirable with some kind of negative consequence. Do you think of yourself? as a risk taker in general Jess
1: um yes that's that's pretty much it really um yeah I was thinking about this in in the sort of the pre-planning and I was thinking professional versus personally am I a risk taker and I would say um yeah both of them actually um so professionally yes because I think um at least in marketing you need to take risks in order for kind of um growth and I think for me it's sort of risk change and grow and I really like change I'm one of those people that run headlong into change and then go oh just before the edge just before before I sort of jump in and then I go ah just do it anyway like what's the worst that's going to happen um and then personally because I like doing anything um sort of fast in terms of like fast cars um I have done bungee jumps skydives before um and I also really love the outdoors and I mean I live like in Surrey so it's not like there's big bears around or anything but I like the thrill of the thrill of the unknown because I think for me personally my best sort of experiences come when I don't know what's going to happen next and I really like the um I really like thinking on my feet that's that's really fun for me
0: that's cool I I think now I think of myself looking back as someone that has taken a few risks But I I also can think that, you know, there are times in my life when I've been, prepared to take a risk. Risk seeking is the the attitude that we tend to talk about academically. I I know that there was a period of my life where I was really risk averse. Uh, And, you know, I kind of call it the fact that I was quite comfortable, um, but I wasn't, you know, really taking, you know, taking huge risks. I was quite comfortable not doing, you know that much different Um, and then I think after that then I went through a period particularly when I started having children of of, yeah taking on risk there because there's a hell of a lot of risk there in terms of in in terms of you know as you start to bring up children and the things that you're doing with children and things like that so um, I think I've yeah I I think I I, overall I would say that I tend to think of myself as quite a risk seeker risk taker Mm -hmm. but I think there have been times when I, I there definitely have been times when I could say probably didn't take the risks that I should have done or maybe looking back I shouldn't have done I think that's something that I tend to think is that if you, when you haven't taken those risks you tend to regret them when you yeah. have taken those risks you don't tend to regret them even if they go wrong it's kind of like well you know I wanted to yeah. try
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think I kind of think about um, so I'm really into exercise and I I kind of think about that. Like I never I'm always thinking, oh, gosh, a run, a run. Do I really want to do it? Even if it's like a 5K or a 1K, it's not I'm not talking ultramarathons here, but um, I always sort of think, well, I'll regret it if I don't do it. And I'm not a person who has I don't believe in regrets. Um, I mean, I get that it's an actual thing, but I personally don't like having them. Um, So I just think well, go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? I mean. We're going to be touching on sort of failure and and the difference between risk and failure in a bit. But I guess the next question for you then is who are the big risk takers that we might know about, um, whether professionally or perhaps, you know, some people personally? Are there any kind of key people that you can think of?
0: I, I, I look at pretty much anyone that has been successful. And what drove their success and what what's the story of their success and regular listeners know is that I, I love a biography okay so it's my, my, I, I, the autobiography is my favourite followed by other kind of biographies but I love a biography about people that have done amazing things and I, d- I don't really think there are that many biographies out there of people that just had a mundane boring life because it wouldn't necessarily be the greatest biography so and i i kind of look at, and i try and look at what the seeds of what made those people successful and you know the uh think we talked about before and we touched on on elon musk and i think elon musk is the ultimate risk taker because you know f- first thing is that he, you know he, he you know there's the story of him taking risks in terms of going to the US, coming from South Africa, where I, I believe he, he got a, you know, had a relatively comfortable life in South Africa and then moving to America where he didn't really have contacts, didn't really know a huge number of people and set up his first business. And setting up a business on its own is quite a risky thing to do because it's a new business. There's every chance it's going to fail. And his first business ended up um, being sold. Um, and it was some kind of database, kind of postcode mailing type business. And I think he made enough money that you or I would probably think that's going to make me comfortable enough <laughs> yeah. not to worry about taking a risk again. And you know, it, it you know, wasn't you know, it wasn't private island rich but it was a decent amount of money. Um, but he didn't do that. He didn't do the thing you or I would do. He then said, well, actually, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to risk it all by setting up another company that deals with electronic payments. And that company then went on to become PayPal, um, yeah. which we all know. And then he sold that. And I think he made enough money there to be kind of like L.A. mansion rich. Okay, like you know, t- like Tony Stark, Iron Man, your heroes and <laughs> malibu property that he has but that kind of rich is still not private island still not bond villain rich um but then he took that money and then said well you know what i'm going to do now is i'm going to set a company that builds rockets and i'm going to set up an electric car company which is the first mass manufactured car company that's been set up in about 50 odd years and i'm going to make a company that's got that's a massive solar farm Um, And I'm going to gamble the whole lot again. And it's paid off again for him. And you just think that, you know, for me, I can't think of anyone that has gone through that route of, okay, I've made a load of money enough to make anyone normal, comfortable. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Do
1: you know, so I know we we were kind of talking about him, and we've also, um, we referred to Steve Jobs as well. And um, I guess that that might kind of come up in a bit um, when we're talking about like perfection and things like that. But I think risk is very much, your own personal thing so for somebody risk might be crossing the road and that might be a massive thing for them um like i'm not particularly motivated by money i mean great you're like i'd still like to be paid thank you very much but i'm not i'm not you know hoping for 200 grand i've no desire to do that risk for me is um like, i guess like i said before you know jumping out of a plane pretty risky um but it's like this calculated risk and i think he must have you know he's got his people around him he's got advisors around him and I think where, you know, there's there's so many people in the world who do risk on a daily basis. So, for example, um, we, we also spoke before about people leaving Ukraine at the moment. They're not necessarily Elon Musk. They're not doing it for money. Um, they are doing something because they have to. And people who are, you know, other people who are kind of risking their lives for a cause they believe in. So if you think of suffragettes back in um, back in the war, um, I think risk is risk is something that's quite personal and I don't think it's necessary it it I find it tricky because it's not really something that can be defined by you or I and I think it's very it's very much up to the individual and you know um as Judith and and Sarah sort of saying on the chat that sometimes risk is just it's it's too much for some people and sometimes it's not and you know like i said crossing the road might be quite risky we've got a neighbour next door lovely chap 99 years old blind as a bat uh, deaf as a post wonderful chap tom and um in case tom decides to listen to this podcast and um and tom does a bit of weeding in the back garden and he's doing his lawn mower that's like um, not electric just one of those push on ones i'm doing the actions for other for the podcast um but he he kind of stands at the edge of the road and checks the road and we live like on a small road um, and just over the way there's a field and he checks sort of four or five times before he walks over which is good because there's a primary school um i don't know 50 yards down the road but that's quite a high risk for for tom versus for you or i it would be you know a walk in the park um so yeah i think it's i think it's all up to the individual and their personal thoughts on it
0: yeah and and as, as we've already we kind of between us talked about the the Elon Musk risk mm-hmm. versus um versus, yeah, crossing the road risk. Yeah. And it, you're absolutely right. It, it is how you frame it within what you do. And yeah. you know, I you know, I I remember that, you know, one moment to talk about you kind of jumping off a plane is that I remember making a very conscious decision that I was going to, you know, do more risky activities shall we say Mm -hmm. and and I remember I was I was on holiday in Switzerland and it was probably about this kind of time of year about 10 11 years ago Mm -hmm. and I I was the the snow had all gone so it was probably a bit later and it was so it's post ski season and we were sitting um on kind of a little bar or in a little bar in the garden there looking out at a big mountain and then there were these people jumping off this mountain
1: with oh base jumping
0: with their big parachutes on, okay. um, like strapped to another person, not not just jumping. With oh, yeah. OK, that, OK. That would be too crazy. Um, and I remember sitting there and just watching them think uh, and watching them floating down, kind of like doing it tandem and thinking, God, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? In that kind of daydream way that you do. Yeah. Um, and then I suddenly just thought, yeah, it would be amazing. I'm going to go and do it. Brilliant! And I went into the place where I, I could see where you could go and do it. And uh, I said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do it. Just like on, on the spur of the thought, no, I, I don't just want to watch this. I want to actually do this. And it was a complete mindset change that I had. Now, ever since then, every time I've seen something, I've thought, that looks quite good. Okay. Yeah. Instead of it looking quite good, it's like, well, I want to try it. I want to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've found over, you know, over recent years, I, you know, I went to the, um, to the Olympic velodrome. I had to go on a, uh, on one of the um, one of the track bikes there and went round there mm-hmm. and did find that just because I thought oh, I don't just want to watch it, I actually want to do it. Yeah. Um, and you know I went to to Lee Valley Whitewater after because you know I thought yeah that looks good. Oh, I actually want to do it. And, yeah. and I, I had a complete mindset change of yeah, I just want to do it. I'm going to take those risks because I have more fun if I do it rather than watching it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I love that. I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. I think um, was it life life begins at the end of your comfort zone or something like that and I think it, it's kind of interesting it's interesting I guess personally to think about it and you know we've all got we've all got our things so for example I'd rather do all the things you've just said than go into a, a room of people that I did know for some kind of social event on a, on a Saturday night I'm like ah oh, that's not really my idea of fun and I guess fun and risk are also quite quite linked in that way as well
0: Yeah, yeah. So the the, the comfort zone thing. There's a lovely um, phrase that I that I heard a while ago where they were likening, kind of, they were kind of using a a a metaphor around sailing. And they they talked about um ships, and they said um a ship is safe in a harbor, but that's not what ships are made for. I love that. I really like that. I just love that idea of, of kind of yeah, you're safe in your comfort zone. They're gently rocking by the quayside, but what are ship's built for? They're built for riding the oceans. And that's really what we need to be doing with them. So yeah, yeah. I really like that.
1: Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like that but, needs to be a fridge magnet. Sorry, yeah, <laughs>
0: carry on. <laughs> Wait, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure it's a it's a meme somewhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> the, the equivalent of the, the the modern day equivalent of the fridge magnets now. Yeah. Um something that, that I, I was thinking of is that, and this is kind of linked back to, to everything we talked about so far in terms of that idea of risk is that we talked about people that have achieved great things there's normally some kind of risk they've taken to get there but when I look at the things that I value most that, that, that I value most in my life I tend to think there is some kind of risk that happens at to enable that to happen and you know I can look at it from you know a, a really simple point of view in that what things do I value most right now well the thing that I hold you know most dear to my heart is my family and you know I, I, I can very clearly point that to yeah, the, the very first time that I actually decided that I was going to walk over to another side of the bar and talk to the lady that now is my wife and you know, I, I think we've all probably had a heart in mouth moment of you know doing something like that and putting yourself out there. And I would say that definitely paid off because yeah. it was a risk. It made me feel really nervous. I probably would have rather done anything else once I started walking, mm-hmm. but I went through it, and now here I am you know, living in a house with that lady with three children, and it yeah. turned out quite well but it wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have been prepared to take that risk. And I, I, as as you know, I'm, I'm I am one of the owners of first intuition in in Chelmsford and 10, 12 years ago, I gave up my well-paid job. I gave up my nice career ladder. I gave up, you know, that, that regular salary because I decided that I wanted to set up my own training company where I had no clients and I didn't know anyone, but it's what I wanted to do. And looking back, I've had a much more fulfilling career in, in terms of personally fulfilling through doing that over the last 10 years than I ever would have done treading the corporate ladder where I was before. Yeah. But, you know, I had to you know, take off the safety wheels and, you know, take a big risk in order to do that. But, um, I, I, so I was going to ask you, Jess, and this is something that I sometimes ask students as well in classes, <laughs> what risks have you taken? You know, and, you know, first of all, did they pay off? Um, And what were they?
1: Um, So the biggest risk that I can think of quite recently actually isn't, Judith will be pleased to hear, um, doing anything mad with plane jumping or anything like that. Um, It was um, Christmas 2020. Uh, between Christmas and New Year, I think it was, and um, I didn't want to work in the company. So this is my previous company, not FI previous company. Um, and I wanted, I knew I wanted to work outside. I really like being outside. I like the outdoors. I feel good. Um, I would live in a tent outside if I could. Um, and I Googled like what jobs for outdoor people. And also um, my partner and I um, have a lovely house and we have a mortgage. So I need to kind of think about the money side of things. Um, and I wasn't too sure if marketing was right for me, but realized actually with hindsight it was a job. So um, I started Googling and I did an online survey testing um, and it came up with something called horticultural therapy. Um, and so I started doing some inquiries, this had, I had no idea what it was, um, and for, for listeners, horticultural therapy, um, is a way of kind of working with people, um, sometimes with learning disabilities or with mental health issues, um, in sort of like an outdoor or a garden environment, so, um, could be working with people planting bulbs, or uh, depending on their kind of abilities, or it could be um, putting planting seeds, or it could be you know pulling up trees, depending on physical kind of um, skill set and things. Um, so I did some research. Uh, I contacted a couple of doctors. I contacted um, some local companies, of which there are not too many, um, and I got in touch with um, one of the kind of the bigger companies in the UK um, called Thrive, and I said, "Oh, can I come do some volunteering?" So they said, yes, that's that's no problem. And it ended up being eight months until I could actually do that. So I started in August last year. Um, I also knew that I wanted to do some volunteering um, in kind of some kind of estates management and again, outdoor learning work. Um, and so I reached out to some other companies. I'm like massively convoluting this. It, it sounds like it was really simple and it, it so wasn't. Um, and I knew that having a better work life balance would be good for me. Um, I. I had burnout in the last company and I'd had a couple of times, I think, but the first time was a couple of years ago and I just thought this isn't who I am anymore. I don't like this person that I've become. Um, So I inquired about FI Um, and there was a marketing manager role. So a maternity cover that I mentioned, and it's a, it's a part-time role. So I now do four days a week here and then I do volunteering on a Friday and Saturday, every other. Um, And it's, It's fantastic because it gives me the opportunity to still earn a wage but most importantly in a company that's actually really supportive and it's 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 given me my love back of marketing um and also it it enables me to kind of do what I want to do for the other part of the time and I have a, a great boss that's really I'm sorry I'm not massively singing fi but they are wonderful but I have a great boss that allows me to kind of uh, juggle things like that and it was a risk because I guess it was a monetary risk um it was a happiness risk but I am much better for it so I don't think it's always about the huge big leaps sometimes it can be sort of smaller leaps of faith um and uh, yeah that's uh that's the story really
0: I I, I love that and I think there's something you you looked at that, that I kind of saw in that in in the thing that it, you just explained there was that yeah one of the Things you mentioned is the fact that you suffered from burnout in your previous job. Yeah. And to me, there's, there's also that there's almost the what, what would the risk of not doing what you did be?
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people over the last two years that, that have, have, you know, spoken to me about kind of burnout over the last couple of years. Because it, it's changing to a new way of working can go kind of you know, a multitude of different ways. And yeah. one of them uh, amongst a lot of people that I know tended to be they would work more and yeah. they'd work longer hours and they wouldn't ever switch off. And it's not good for anyone. And, and nice. I think that, you know, there's you know, the, the flip side of it, you know, I'm taking a risk to do this. But there's also was the risk of actually carrying on on, on, the, on the, the path that you're currently on.
1: I think I think you're completely right. Um, mine for me was before um, COVID, and I remember just going away at the weekend with um, a group of friends, and it was uh, my fella had just said, "I think I think this is what burnout is for you," and it was I couldn't concentrate on anything. I just needed to sleep, and I just I, it, not being yourself. And I think I think it affects people in different ways, but for me. I think it, there's a bit of a stigma attached to it and I think um I think that I'm 34 and I don't think you should be 34 and getting burnout for me I thought it was something that you get when you're I don't know 60 or 63 or whatever just before you retire at the grand old age of 65 which is nothing um and I didn't I didn't think that and I was speaking to a couple of my friends also in that group and they're they're women who are strong independent women who have you know like their high flying careers they're in banking you know, lawyers and things and I think it 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 shouldn't be just because of that you know you shouldn't that's not acceptable in today's society like it, it shouldn't be like that and it needs to, you need to have kind of workplaces that are far more supportive of that um and what, what are we doing it for? And so that's also why I kind of have the balance of the outdoor life or um, we were up in Yorkshire over the weekend, for example, and it's just being outside, just sitting down on the grass. That's lovely. Um, but I, I realise we're kind of veering off course in terms of um, risk taking. And I guess I, ha- I had a question for you on that. Um, so do you think you can be a perfectionist and a risk taker?
0: So I, I so want to talk about all the things you just talked about. Then. Oh, oh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: just. No, okay. I don't want to take away. Take take for the
0: show. I, I, I am, I'm going to be a, politi- a politician for a minute and not answer your question, but I'm going Please. to come back. Okay, that question, yeah. it, is, it really struck me as you talk there about how you know you felt burnout was something that you got when you were 63 mm. because that was your frame of reference, and I think mm. this is. It's why important. Why discussions around issues like this are really important, yeah. because. <laughs> I, I remember the first time that I, I came across anyone that suffered that I knew that anyone that suffered from depression and it was um, a, a friend of mine who, who told me about it about two years after I finished university with him and I was on the phone with him in a conversation and he um, had got a graduate placement that he dropped out of after six months and then hadn't worked for about a year and a half. and. He hadn't talked to me, about, he told me anything that was going on. And then it, you know, out of the blue, I was on the phone with him and he told me that he diagnosed with depression, he'd been battling around for, for the last year or so. And the first thing that kind of struck me was that this is the first person that I've ever heard of that I know that's got depression. The mm. only other people that I know that had depression were artists and musicians yeah. where I'd read their biographies. And yeah. as far as I was concerned, my point of reference was, you're at risk of depression if you're a creative person because mm-hmm. they're the only people that I knew of that suffered from depression because I'd read their biographies, because I was a massive admirer of their art. yeah And it was suddenly a shock that this guy that had studied maths with me at university and had initially started training to be an accountant, but then had dropped out after six months. It's yeah. like, how, how could you have depression? You're, you're not an artist, you're not a musician, you don't paint yeah. anything. Yeah. And, and it's you know, I think through opening those things up and having those discussions and saying, "Yeah, yeah, I'm in my 30s and I suffer from burnout," or you know, I, "I'm 22 and I did a maths degree and I'm suffering from depression because I've just started the workforce or, 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 and I've just entered into the workforce." I think just shining a light on all those things is such an important thing to do because otherwise, yeah. you are going there thinking, "You know, am I odd? Am I the odd one out here that's feeling like this?" Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to your question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> is it possible to, to take risks and um and and, and be a perfectionist and yeah the, the first when you first look at that question you think that you know risk seeking people you've kind of got this image of devil may care yeah. i'm gonna go fret away um you know hold my dream come off and you kind of think <laughs> how how is that you know compatible with being a perfectionist but i i, I but, you know, the more I think about it, I, I look at people that, you know, some people that have been successful, and mm-hmm. think that, you know, great sports people you know, took massive risks, and I don't think yeah. that you can be a great sportsman if you aren't a perfectionist. So, you know, one of my favourite sports uh, sports people of all time is Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, yeah, you know, as you know, everything that he stands for. Um, or or that he stood for at that point in time, the whole um, civil rights movement that he was part of, um, you know, not fighting in the Vietnam War and the stance that he made against that Vietnam War. He was taking amazing risks with his career, with his public image, um, you know, actually everything was on the line for him. He was taking those risks to make that stand. But I don't think you could ever say that he was not a perfectionist. He studied meticulously for every single fight that he went into, if you, if you look at you know the the stories behind the great fights that he was involved in, he was a scientist perfecting the perfecting his strategy to go into the ring, mm-hmm. and yet he took massive massive risks. No one spoke like Muhammad Ali at mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. You know he, he was he, you know he was a poet outside of the ring, and you know I don't think you could say of any other boxer at that point in time or any other sportsman at that point in time. Oh yeah, they were a poet. Mm. you know that they weren't at all and so I I think for someone someone like him took enormous risk professionally and personally but an absolute perfectionist at his craft so I I think you can be but I I understand that when we think of risk takers we always think you know I'm just going to go for it have you done have you done the analysis no I'm going to do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you know that's very interesting um my colleague and I were talking about something today which is um this kind of this training that I'd done a couple of years ago now where you're either a thinker, a feeler or a knower. So if you're a thinker, you go away and think about things, a feeler, um, it's kind of for me it's a bit similar to gut feel but you you're kind of very empathic um and then if you're a gut feel then off you pop devil may care kind of thing um and i think it's really interesting to i mean i've massively convoluted that as well um but i think it's very interesting to kind of think about how you um who you are and which one you are most uh, and normally the idea being that you're normally one of them more than the other two but some people can be sort of equal across the board Um, and it's interesting how you fit into your family life and how that fits into your work colleagues as well so I think we were kind of thinking about that and I think about being a perfectionist I would say as I get older and more into marketing I said 11 years now I feel like I have yeah, obviously there's a lot to learn but I feel like I have a decent grip on marketing so I'm a lot more gut feel about that um so uh for, for you guys um Dave and I uh are on kind of monthly calls around marketing um and I feel like those meetings are a little bit more fly on the wall and you kind of have to be a bit of a, a bit of a risk taker you have to kind of go with the flow and see what people bring up and and kind of take it from there um but I would say personally I'm quite a perfectionist and it was sort of uh, I guess the next point was can you be a perfectionist and a pragmatist and um I had my review with my line manager on Thursday and he'd sort of settle more on pragmatist than perfectionist but I suppose perfection is a bit like beauty and kind of beauty is in the eye of the beholder and if you're you know your perfectionist might not be my perfectionist and I suppose it's where the expectation lies so if your levels of perfection are deemed low to other people and you're a risk taker then yes you can be both um but i i certainly think it's a, it's it's kind of interesting and, and food for thought really
0: oh, i'm just thinking of what kind of person i am from your description and i,
1: Ooh,
0: I go on I, 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 I think at times i could be all three um okay. i i know that i i sometimes will go with my gut yeah. And sometimes it'll be what should we do? We should do this. And it's yeah, no, no basis in fact behind it. It's just that's what I feel we should go ahead and do. Um, but I know I also annoy people because I'll be in a meeting where something's discussed and I will say, I just need time to think about this. Yeah. Now, I, I I haven't got an opinion, I'm not sure what my opinion is yet. I haven't thought about it properly. I need to just go away and just consider what this actually means. And, and uh, yeah, But I, I will flip between those two I'm generally a bit more impulsive I would say yeah in terms of let's do this or let's not do this but the, uh, I mean I, I there was a meeting I was in stay where I said I, I can't make a decision on this right now I haven't really thought it through
1: yeah I that's very interesting I think bigger bigger stuff I'm very gut feel on and otherwise I can be a thinker but I'm if you started crying now I would cry I'm very much a feeler um which is useful because I'm in marketing and it's that sort of soft touch you know um it's that's the kind of environment that it is um and I think I like the kind of the caring the softer side of um I I, I like being like that um but I was going to ask you are you different at home would you say that you're still gut at home or
0: a gut thinker? I think I'm probably more of a thinker at home Ooh. than going on my gut.
1: Interesting. And
0: I, 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 I think, and I might, uh, I'm probably going to have to go and think about this actually, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think some of it is that I am less sure of what I'm doing at home than of what I'm doing at work and I put that in that I have, I've taught accountancy students for sixteen years. I've only yeah. lived with a sixteen-year-old boy in my house for the last year since he turned sixteen, and so I don't have the experience of knowing whether I'm doing the right thing when it comes to things like my kids. And oh, that, so I always kind of second-guess myself a little bit in terms of is this the right is this the right way to treat this issue? Whereas if you if you told me Dave, I've got a foreign currency transaction that I need to convert at year-end exchange rate. I can do that in my sleep. I just say, like, "Yeah, just look up the exchange rate. Do it on the year-end date. You're done." Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if someone said, "You know, I've got, you know, sixteen-year-old kid wants a particular computer game. Should they have it?" I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, that's very interesting because you've been on this mortal coil for thirty odd years. No, more than that, I'm
0: afraid. Oh, but let's yes. keep it like that.
1: <laughs> all right but you know however many years it is and so it's interesting that you trust yourself more at work uh, not trust that's that that's not the right word um that you're more gut at work because you know what the answer is like i would think okay not having children myself but as a as a game if you if you have if it's I don't know a, an eighteen plus game, I'm, I'm assuming this is one of the things yeah. that you have to deal with. Do you not just go? Definitely not. Put the put the thing down. That's it. Because you you must know in your head instantly what the response is. But are you trying to caveat it because um, you need to? Well, presumably you work with Kelly on things like this, so you'll be you'll have a discussion about it, and that's the that may be the reason why it takes a bit longer.
0: Okay, Th- this came from when when. When my son was a lot younger. Yeah. Okay. And so when he was about nine or ten or something like that. Yeah. Um, there was a movie that was around at the time that was called Made in Dagenham. Oh which, yeah. Uh, I don't even see it, which is about the um, the union struggles of the female workers working in the Ford Factory in Dagenham and how they went on strike and they brought back change to equalize wages between men and women. Yeah. That movie I think was a twelve certificate. It might even have been a fifteen. And I thought about quite long and hard about whether my son, who was significantly young, should watch it because we were going to watch it. And I did a lot of work in terms of looking online in terms of, you know, why has it got the certificate? And it had the certificate because of the language that was being used.
1: Yeah.
0: However, is it an important story?
1: Mm-hmm. Is
0: it something that a child should know about? Mm -hmm. and you know I had to weigh out well yeah this this is a this is a movie that is it's about a really important moment in UK history it's about something that's really important that I believe children should know about from as soon as they're born Mm -hmm. that it it doesn't matter you know about who you are what you look like you know what your race Mm -hmm. is what 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 your gender is you should be treated equally and you should be entitled to equal wages for equal work and I came down and said, "Yeah, this might be a certificate level that says he shouldn't watch it for another five years, but I want him to watch this movie right now." Yeah. So, it, it, and and that's the same thing that I, it still drives me through now in terms of should he watch an eighteen movie? We'd think that if it's gratuitous violence for gratuitous violence's sake, mm-hmm. no, he shouldn't. But you know, I can point towards eighteen, you know, eighteen rated movies where you think actually the message in that movie mm-hmm. is really really important. It was like my my. My middle son, who is now who's now 12, we had a big discussion about whether um, he should watch Saving Private Ryan, mm. yeah, because, again, it's a movie that's probably too old for him in terms of certification. However, if you watch that movie, and think you, I don't think anyone watches that movie because they want to see Chris Shields as violence. It's there deliberately to shock and show the horrors of war. Yeah. And I think it's a really important movie. So have yeah. I got a problem with someone watching when they're younger? No, I don't. And mm-hmm. that—that's where I kind of, whenever it's something that's age-related, exactly. It's terrorist in the chat like Schindler's yeah, List, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agree. So that's why I'm less certain because I—I—I I, I, I don't have that, and I could just say, "Oh, it's the rules; you can't watch it." And that's an easy thing. That's a cop out. But then,
1: Ooh. that's interesting. Uh, then, so if it's if rules come into it, so. I mean, no one's going to come and pull your son out of a cinema for being 12 if it's I'm sorry, really peeing on you here. But 12 uh, for like a, a 10, a 10 year old um, <laughs> yeah. child in a 12 certificate. like. No, but then yeah. is it is it kind of morally right, I guess, um, versus yeah. your parental rights? And again, not as a parent, so I can't really speak mm-hmm. for this. Um, but I do think kind of a, a similar vein that um, Sarah brings up a really good point that um, is there a difference between the risks you take for yourself and the risks you take for others? This is interesting. So I think for work, I take more risks because it's not my own money. Because I mean, that sounds like I'm just throwing money at a wall. I'm certainly not. But there are more risks. If it was me putting £500 of my, my own money on something, would I be more cautious? Actually, I think I might have responded to that a bit quickly. I've got my thinking head on. Um, no, OK, There be there's a degree of like thinking about it, but I'm probably more cautious if it were my own money. So as your business, how do you feel about that?
0: Okay, when we started the business, and it was it was me, mm-hmm. I was far more, I would take far more risks than I would now.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: and the reason for that is I feel I have a responsibility for you know, the, 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 the people yeah. that are on my payroll. So, effectively, the people that, you know, I, I always... And this is something that I heard a while ago in terms of um, how leaders perceive themselves. Mm. And I'm very much someone who feels that I work for my team. Mm-hmm. That, that's what my job is: yeah. is to work for them. I yeah. don't have a view that they work for me. My yeah. view is always, uh, I'm, you know, I'm the person that works for you. And you know, when when I you know I get a mixture of emotion when I do things like have a Christmas party because on the okay. one hand of it, I get an immense sense of pride because I think. You know, something that I built X years ago yeah, is now providing a livelihood for these people and the ability to enjoy this party. But then I also get this gut-wrenching sense of dread where it's kind of like, and if I make a wrong decision, then these are the guys that are going to suffer. And so I think a lot more about the risks that I take now than I did 10 years ago. Because 10 years ago, it was only me that would be affected by the downside. But okay. now it's 30 people that could be affected by that downside and it's you know uh, and that that weighs quite heavily on my decision making now
1: is that the same personally as as well then so I'm assuming for something like you know don't run in front of a road kids yeah. obviously that's that's kind of a, a perceived risk but what about um what about other kind of risks in your in your personal life
0: I've got a difference between where it impacts me and where it impacts other people again it's, it's mm-hmm. I'm far more inclined to take a risk that we're say personally impact me but if it's going to personally impact my daughter or my sons I'm going to be more risk averse
1: that's very interesting I yeah I I think I'm I think I'm with you in terms of like my partner or my mum or my dad or something like that so there was um we were walking back from our friend's house um I don't know like two and a half years ago pre-pandemic and um it was we'd had I think we probably had maybe two beers each, so, you know, not not too much. And that had been over the course of about five hours or something, lovely food, blah, blah. And um, it's about a three mile walk home and it was around midnight and this bloke started, uh, so my fella and I were walking back and this bloke started following us and he started saying some stuff to me that was uh, inappropriate and I was not having any of this. And then he sort of started poking my fella and I was like, mama bear, Right, like I was I just lost it and I was starting to get uh, a little bit irate and my partner kind of said okay you know this guy this guy he doesn't just leave him leave him to it and I was thinking that that's kind of I'm bringing it up because it's it's a risk and you know you don't know how that person would have reacted he's a bloke who was taller and larger than me so likely stronger than me but for me if somebody affects the people I you know love or or good friends or something like that I'll stand in the way and I mean would I literally fight probably not no I'm not I'm not a fighter um but I like to think that I would kind of be all like protective and this sort of thing um but if it's something yeah so that that's kind of how I feel about that and I'm assuming you would feel the same way about your family and and things like that but would you where I suppose where's the line with that in terms of protection and
0: yeah I, 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 I yes is the is the answer <laughs> yeah
1: I guess we all do that I, <laughs> I suppose that's quite a natural reaction yeah um, the chat's very quiet though so
0: yeah I, th- I think it is a case that you're right that that I yeah and I think linking that to risk is that I'm less likely to take a risk with someone else's safety than my own yeah. um I'm more likely to try and avoid risks and avoid dangers when it's dealing with other people rather than myself yeah and um, you know I was kind of thinking oh if it's me that gets hurt I just get hurt but yeah you know if, if if someone else that I'm looking after gets hurt that's my fault and I need to yeah. protect them from that so yeah I, th- I think that I am very much like that but um Jess I've just I've just loaded the time and we oh my we gosh right yes. against time <laughs> and we, we we didn't even kind of get on to, to you know I had this vision that we'd be talking now about how we then translate this as accountants <laughs> uh, and you know, as accountants, how we then start evaluating some of the, the risks that we encounter as accountants and, and use probably some of the same tools that we talk about here in terms of what our decision making process is. You know, how, how do we evaluate those risks? And you know, I, I, I always you know, kind of tend to use that tool of you know, that scale of you know, what is the risk in terms of downside and what's the risk in terms of upside? And, and you know, if, if there is a significant upside compared to downside, you know, I'm more likely to go for something. But if that if that downside is significant, then that's when we start to look carefully about whether we go into it. But I think we're going to have to leave that discussion for for another evening because okay. I, know, I know that a lot of our audience have got other things to do. I'm sure you've got something to do. <laughs> I definitely have some food that I need to go and eat. So it falls on me just to bring things to a close so uh, I first of all want to thank everyone for, for being here tonight that's, that's here live thank you so much for your um, for, for your contributions thanks to everyone that is that's downloaded and thanks for everyone who um, who takes the time to listen to this podcast if you are out walking your dog or you're going for a run or you're on the treadmill thank you so much for downloading if you could get a chance to to download and to sorry to to leave a review or leave some comments that would be much much appreciated um thank you so much for jess for being a, a friend of the show now and um, hopefully we we can welcome you back to join us again in in the coming weeks
1: that would be lovely yes i very much like that
0: Excellent. so i think you've been a, <laughs> I think you've been a wonderful guest no, um, and, and yeah I, I quite easily could have been here for another hour totally. um, so we could do part to this or, or you know, we could talk about other themes as well that if does. anyone has got any any subjects that they want to have covered on one of these um, one of these podcasts please feel free to drop me a note and, and we do try and build that into our, our schedule but we will see you all again next week for those of you that are live thank you for downloading everyone and hopefully everyone stays safe and we' will see you again next week
1: Thank you.